Welcome to our podcast today. Today we have Nick and Nick, we're going to talk today around the value of role playing in decision making. If we go outside of the organizational space and, and look at theater for a moment, in theater, there's this concept of practice and rehearsal before we go on stage. And it really gives a, a person that sense of how things could play out and prepares them to be able to react in an appropriate way. If we transition over into the organizational space, in the organizational space, we have many kinds of decisions that are, have to be made. Some are routine or some are ones that we're familiar with and some are not. Some might be decisions that we haven't seen before that we're new to. So my understanding, Nick, is that you have a lot of experience in terms of understanding how role play can fit in the organizational world. First of all, let me welcome you to the podcast. Well, thank you very much, James. It's a pleasure and uh, greatly appreciate the invitation. Thank you. So, Nick, if we think of role-playing in an organizational setting, one might think that role-playing doesn't have a role there, just to use that phrase twice. But as you've, you're probably well aware, is that for decision-making, to be able to practice it and rehearse it in advance has tremendous value. What are you seeing out there in terms of role-playing and decision-making in organizational settings and its, and its value? Well, we've seen a, a whole range of things being applied in the, uh, in the form of role plays, uh, James. So everything from uh, the typical one-on-one -on -one where you sit down and uh, you, you, have a, you go through a scenario so that you can make somebody comfortable with that scenario and um, to something more substantial where you mentioned theater and uh, there are actually organizations that will go out and help people role play or um, perform if you will in front of a customer and they'll actually tell them about the uh, how they're how they're uh, uh, seen and how they're how to deliver themselves their message with confidence how to deliver their message with empathy and um, and and how to basically behave in a certain situation and what the reaction is that's expected so there are a whole range of range of, uh, of how role plays there's a whole range of how role plays are being used and applied to help everybody from salespeople to executives to to others who uh, may be non-customer facing. Of course, we specialize in those role plays that are customer facing. Nick, that uh, really broadens broadens what uh, the value is in role playing because initially I was thinking in terms of practicing decisions, let's say in an ethical environment in which we're faced with uh, a new ethical dilemma and we're trying to figure out what to do. And what we don't want is employees to be undecided or not sure as to what, how the group will respond, but you're bringing in a whole new dimension and that dimension is the personal, maybe the body language, how people perceive us. So if, if we're looking at that, how can we set up a process in which people are comfortable in, in interpreting the signals that they're getting from others and even projecting certain signals? I can imagine that would maybe make people nervous or give them anxiety the first time through. Well, yeah, there are, as you mentioned before, there are many, many ways to uh, administer a role play. 
one of the things that does get the uh, uh, get the participants a little bit nervous is when they're doing this in front of their peers, and that can absolutely uh, cause a situation where people are uh, a little bit concerned about how they're perceived and the, the message that they're delivering, and um, and so that that can be difficult. Role plays are difficult enough just one on one, but when you add the dimension of an audience of some sort, uh, that can be very interesting. So just as a point of interest, uh, I participated as a judge in a role play at a university uh, here in the Northeast of the United States uh, some time ago. And this really applies to anywhere or any situation, but there were three people in the room. There was the, the seller, there was the buyer, and then myself as the judge. Later on, when we got down to the finals, there was a second judge. And it was very interesting to see how people reacted. Some people were more nervous, others were less so, but um, there were a lot of different dimensions that, if you don't mind my going into, that, that I experienced that I found to be quite interesting. One of which is that in this particular case, the buyer and myself, being the judge, were supposed to come to a conclusion about how the seller performed. And we had to agree on uh, how we were going to score the, the seller, this individual. And, uh, and so it was very interesting to observe. And what I found was that the seller was you know, doing a pretty good job, but the buyer had never challenged the seller. They never asked a, a difficult question. And so they just kind of went along with you know, the scenario and didn't really challenge them. And we didn't get to see that level of thinking apply. So it was, it was a very interesting experience. And I, I may have gone off on a bit of a tangent, but I thought that was, that was worth mentioning. And I can certainly expound on that. But um, I'll, I'll just end there for a moment. Yeah, that's actually quite interesting, Nick, in, in how do we evaluate role play. And, and it's not necessarily just the decision that's being made, but how people interact. So I'm curious then, let's, let's go in that direction for a couple of minutes. Let's say that there, it is in a sales environment of some kind, and it's the sales individual or trying to uh, increase their capability. So there is all this body language taking place. There's the emotions that are inherent in what people are saying and behind what they're saying. How would you evaluate a salesperson's performance? It can't be just simply whether they achieve the sale. You're absolutely correct because there are a lot of things that are happening from the moment they introduce themselves to the moment they walk out of the door and whether they have a sale or not. And um, in this particular case, it was not uh, a scenario around whether or not they would get the sale, it was establishing next steps. So in many cases, salespeople have a situation where they, uh, they have to approach the sale in a multitude of steps um, uh, to actually complete it. So it's very different than, for example, in a retail environment, uh, what we were talking about was a software sales environment, um, and um, Dell EMC was the, uh, the company that had a product that was being offered, and it was very interesting 
Um, what we found was that people became a little bit more comfortable um, uh, in a setting where they knew the material, where they had studied the situation, because they were given um, you know, some information to help them. And this was a role play competition that I'm referring to, by the way. But getting back to, to salespeople, you're measuring a variety of things. You're measuring how, in this particular case, their appearance. You're measuring their uh, level of confidence around how they would actually answer questions, ask questions and answer questions. But you were also measuring their ability to um, go through a process where they were first introducing themselves. And then the next thing they would do is learn about your particular situation. So a, a discovery, if you will. And then they might actually pitch what they, what they are selling. And so those are three points that we're measuring. The next one would be objections. So if the seller actually uh, was faced with objections, how did they deal with those objections? And an, an, an example of an objection would be, well, that, that seems to be a very nice solution, but we already have something like that. Or, boy, that seems quite expensive, um, and, and that's really outside of our budget. Or we really don't have the, the time to evaluate something of this scale at this particular time. So we were measuring these salespeople um, in that manner. We had seven different, eight different points that we were looking at. And I just gave you an example of probably four or five of them. When we were talking about the objections that people uh, have with the sales process, obviously there must be some creativity that people must use in order to come up with a solution to whatever it is, whatever inhibitor that the customer must have. How do you evaluate that creativity and how does using a, a role playing help people come up with creative solutions? Uh, that's, a, that's a great question, James. And I guess it really does depend on the individual and their ability to respond. I mean, it's, it's not too different than this conversation you and I are having right now. Um, I have to very quickly uh, think about uh, what you've just said and respond accordingly based on what I know. Um, about these situations that you're asking me about. So a sales situation is much like that, and it's it's a matter of, again, knowing your material, um, and, and that's going to give you the confidence, uh, or not, uh, to to continue and, and address the questions. Let's uh, let's move the conversation into, into something that um, more, you mentioned software, but in a different context earlier. So let's talk in terms of, software assisting this process i can imagine we could easily build a you know an office environment uh, have actors in there playing different parts and then whoever it is is doing the training but that's that must be expensive to set up and uh, expensive to evaluate in a way that doesn't interfere with with the um, role playing itself for example if somebody's doing a role playing and there are five people standing there with notepads that's going to put some pressure on them. So what about software or simulations of some kind, virtual reality, augmented reality? How do they come into play? Is it, is it simply just a matter of 
creating an environment in which the salesperson can roam freely and then deciding afterwards how well they did. And the other part of that is how do you incorporate the body language or the emotions or the mood in a virtual environment? Very, very good questions and a lot of them. Uh, James, so let me see if I can remember everything. And well, the first one was about the how do we create an environment to sure. replicate, and whether it's just a simple matter of you know replicating the real world, or there's something different there. Sure. So what? Uh, and now you're speaking my language. I mean, this is something that we have been doing for uh, quite some time uh, at Acceleration, and then even before, but. What we did was we developed um, a 3D avatar world that allows you to have a virtual customer conversation, um, and I say conversation, but a, a virtual role play where you are faced with a, a variety of scenarios that may uh, occur in a selling situation. And what you do is you basically are faced with a customer that may be happy or unhappy, um, regardless of the situation, you need to advance the conversation. You need to get to next steps. And it may be as simple as closing a deal, but it usually isn't. Because closing a deal, it, it, it usually takes a, a, a several different attempts uh, or, or approaches, or there are several different things that need to happen as part of the process of selling a product or a service. You need to find out, for example, who all is involved with the decision. You need to find out um, whether or not they have a budget uh, for this particular product or solution or service, whatever it may be. And so there are a variety of things that you have to do, and it takes time, and it may take multiple, it almost always takes multiple conversations. So, <clears throat> Again, what we did was we created an environment where you're able to, um, it, it causes you to think, and we're measuring not only your sales skills, but we're measuring your judgment in selling situations. And those situations challenge you to think of it creatively, to your point, uh, in some cases, but in other cases, it may be simply how you usher the customer through a bad situation. And so it, it's going to be uh, based on what you know and, and how you would address a customer that is very unhappy with your product while you're trying to sell them another product. Um, so those are some of the, you know, some of the elements. Now, in terms of um, uh, body language, you know, there's, from a digital perspective or using uh, a virtual world, some of that is easy to, to, to do, and some of it is a little bit more difficult. For example, I am able to see what the virtual customer's body language is and how they're reacting to me, what their facial expressions are, and the intonation of their voice. But they are not able to, of course, respond to my intonation in my voice, um, but there is technology that does that. So in a virtual world, there are ways to actually detect intonation and detect, for example, 
whether or not you use something called a verbal tick. So a verbal tick is when you say like over and over. It's like this and it's like that. And so we're able to detect some of those things uh, that are uh, inhibitors to having a, a smooth conversation when somebody says um repeatedly. So um, I think I've covered at least a couple uh, points in, in your question. Was there something else that you wanted me to cover, yeah. James? Nick, when you were, you were talking about creating this virtual environment, and I was mentioning about how it might be necessary to provide the capability that the salesperson or the role player in general can roam freely. In other words, you don't want to have predetermined responses. I, I can imagine you don't want to have a pull-down menu in which they say this or they say that, and you're not giving them the opportunity to say what it is they would normally say. And that, that really leads to my question around realism. We don't necessarily have to have a you know a three-dimensional high-resolution screen, I imagine, but realism in terms of the way people act and what it is they say, how do you measure realism so that when people go through it, they're not saying, oh, you know, this isn't real life, this isn't how things are done, I'm never going to learn stuff, something here which is applicable in the real world. How do you measure the realism around the way people interact. Yes, yeah, so um, again, going back to intonation, uh, voice intonation, um, going back to uh, uh, one of the things that you want to do is you want to be able to present a solution to a group of people and you want to look them in the eye, for example. It's a, it's a really good example. You want to be able to look them in the eye and you want to be able to share what you have to offer with everybody in the room and not just focus on one person. And a lot of people make that mistake. And using technology, one of the things we're able to do, for example, James, is we're able to use, um, we're able to, to see whether or not the salesperson who has virtual reality goggles on, for example, we're able to see where they're looking in the room. We're able to determine whether or not they're looking at a particular customer uh, or if they are just looking all over the place. And we're able to bring that to their attention because with every decision, we're actually scoring. With every comment that they make, we're scoring them. So you said something a moment ago about making choices on a screen. And while that is a little bit less exciting, that's where a lot of this stuff begins. And we're actually using a combination of, of making decisions on a screen and voice interaction to give a really robust and thorough uh, experience that is as realistic as possible. But again, keep in mind that these role plays um, are simulating situations. And it's really important that people are able to practice those situations in a private, safe, risk-free environment, and then develop the other skills around that. So it may require a combination of learning platforms. So you may, for example, start with just understanding the scenario. And that may be a video that helps you do that. And maybe that video is 20 or 30 seconds 
45 seconds long. Then the next thing that happens is you're faced with a variety of situations and you just respond by clicking your mouse. And then you get to another level where you're actually using virtual reality goggles and now you're speaking free form and you have a free flowing interactive conversation. So there are you know, different levels that you would, use, you would use in the course of a role play to be able to um, really assess a person's ability, evaluate their ability to effectively communicate the message and also to navigate the situation. Nick, we've uh, come to the end of our podcast and in closing, do you have a quick takeaway for our listeners around um, the use of role playing for under for making decisions and, and creating an individual who's more comfortable in a wide variety of environments? Sure, uh, James, thank you for that question. Um, I would say that, that role plays, uh, to your audience, role plays are very, very critical. Whether you are helping your son or your daughter prepare for some sort of oral presentation they may be giving, or a meeting they may have, or it may be a situation that you are personally about to encounter. Role plays are really important. And what I would say about technology and role plays, and again, that's where we come in, is that if you have to scale and get several people um, some level of practice, give them some level of practice around a situation or a product or a solution or service, then you want to use technology to scale and be able to do that on a more consistent basis. You see, going back to my role play judging that I shared with you earlier in the conversation, if your role plays are not consistent and if the messaging is different, and that is, of course, if you have 5, 10, 20, 2,000 people, then you're going to lose something in the experience. And so technology is going to help you scale and maintain consistency. Um, and, and that would be my, my, my takeaway. Well, thank you very much for joining us today, Nick, and giving us that perspective on role play and organizational settings. My pleasure. Thank you very much, James.